Wasn't it good to hear from Todd this morning? It was good to hear his voice, and it has been a true, I agree with Todd, it's been a true pleasure to get to listen to um, those men who have been here and have been leading us through the Sermon on the Mount while Todd's been on sabbatical, and really have enjoyed hearing from Roger and hearing from Dax and Joe. It has been a true pleasure, um, and from Chuck, and I look forward to hearing it again from Jeff and Brian. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been a true pleasure and something that I've really enjoyed. It's great to be here this morning, and for those of y'all who may be visiting or don't, haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Matt Wade. Um, Along with my wife, Amanda, we have been a part of Melanie Park Church for over 20 years. Our daughters, Olivia, who is going to be at, um, going to be a sophomore at Texas Tech and is in the Texas Tech band. So if you see a piccolo player, if you go to any of the football games, be looking for Olivia. She's going to be out there. And then my youngest daughter, Annabelle, who is going to be a senior at Monterey. They're already mad at me because I've pointed them out and have embarrassed them in front of the group. Although I've done that in the past, and girls, I'll do it again. So don't, has, don't worry about that. Anyway, it's really wonderful to be here this morning, and it's, uh, it's a true honor to be able to sit there and um, share God's Word with you this morning. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that you are too. We're going to be continuing our study with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this morning... We are going to be focusing on chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, the don't worry verses, if you will. Um, There's a lot that are in these verses, and um, there's a lot that Jesus has to say, and I look forward to going through it with you. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Indeed, it is a privilege to be here this morning with like-minded believers, with people who are seeking you out, people who want and desire to hear your word. And dear Lord, I thank you for the word that you have given us this morning. Dear Lord, help us focus on that. Help us set aside our distractions. Help us learn and understand the message that you want us to have and want us to hear and want us to put in our hearts that is in your word here this morning. Guide us this morning, dear Lord, and may everything that we do, everything that is said, ultimately bring glory and honor to you. And all this we ask in that precious gift that you provided to us, your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Don't worry. Don't worry, it's an interesting term, something that we use all the time, right? We put it in songs, I'm sure some of y'all probably thought of a couple of songs right off the bat, Um, because I'm not one of the younger gentlemen up here that is sitting in, instead of the don't worry, be happy one, the one that I thought of was Bob Marley's Three Little Birds, and the chorus, where it says, don't worry about a thing, every little thing's going to be all right. Those things come to mind. We also use the term all the time. We say, don't worry, just don't worry about it. We flippantly do it. We say it constantly in response to people who 
I am always asking for somebody to say their forgiveness for being late, um, for not sending something back when I should have on time. And if that comes to me, if you're like me, one of the first things that I say is, don't worry about it. It's okay. Or now you say, no worries. Right? Happens all the time. We use that phrase, and I've used that phrase, and to be honest with you, I've used that phrase at times to my detriment. Early on, um, in when I was first married to Amanda, there are some lessons that I learned, um, and I'm still learning, as she will tell you. One of the lessons I've learned is that when, unlike me, I mean, I just had brothers growing up. I didn't have any sisters. And unlike me, um, when Amanda would come home from work, she had a tendency to sit there and tell me about her concerns and worries of the day, her problems, if you will. And I made the mistake early on thinking that I was supposed to help solve those problems. That's not what she was looking for, right? She was more than likely looking for some empathy, someone, her spouse, someone that she could share these things with and share her concerns with. Rightfully so. Nothing wrong with that. But that really took me, as she'll tell you, and it still is taking me a long time to learn that because it is ingrained in me, and I think it's ingrained in a lot of us, to if we are told a problem, especially by someone you love, that you want to solve it. You want to fix it. Then I thought I'd get really smart, and instead of trying to solve the problem, I would say, just don't worry about it. Who has done that, and how well did it work? (laughs) Yeah, at least, thank you, Craig, at least somebody has in the past. And then to make matters worse, I might have even added this. Well, that's what it says in the Bible. Oh, how wrong I was. Yeah, we use that term, we flippantly use that term, and we say it all the time, and um, that is obviously not what we're talking about here. And in fact, I don't think that what we're really talking about, I don't really think that the issues that we have and what Christ is talking about here in these passages is a big issue out there of all of us just letting our cares go, right? I don't think that the real problem that we have is that, oh yeah, I can just, someone can just tell me, just don't worry about it, and poof, they're gone. We don't seem to have that ability. And Christ knows that we don't have that ability, yet we have these verses here in front of us today. So, what are we really talking about here? And we'll read the verses here in just a moment. But really, I think what we're talking about is worry as it's defined in the Oxford Dictionary. And I want you to think about this, because I think it'll give you a good idea of what we're talking about. Worry is defined as giving way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. Dwell on difficulties or troubles. I think that's a pretty good definition, right? You do. You end up becoming obsessed with it. And instead of a shortage of worrying or anxiety in our society, I would suggest to you that it is incredibly commonplace. In fact, I think the idea of worrying and anxiety has almost become the norm. 
We just accept the fact that there's going to be worries, that there's going to be anxieties, and that we are going to worry and that we are going to be anxious. If you don't think so, just watch the news for 20 minutes. After you watch the news for 20 minutes, if you don't come back and out from that, and that you're not worried about what? In 20 minutes, you probably will come out being worried about the world, being worried about the Ukraine, being worried about our government, being worried about the economy, being worried about your health, being worried about your safety, being worried about the environment. And that would be within 20 minutes of watching the news. Am I wrong? That's immediately what happens when you end up watching the news. And you can come out of that, and it's just natural. You come out of that, and you get bombarded with that every single day. You're bombarded with advertisements on things that you need to take and do in order to fix your worries. It's even a business here. And then if you think about it, you know, there's really a lot of reasons why we shouldn't. And we're going to talk about a lot of those here this morning. I think in these verses, in fact, it seems to me that what Jesus is telling us and telling his followers is that if we're consumed by our worries, then perhaps our perspective is wrong. Perhaps where our focus is wrong. And perhaps it should be something else. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. And as an indicator that I am not one of the young ones up here, I've got to do, do not worry about your light. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and the righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So as you see, can you can see from the very beginning there, um, and then I'm reading from the NIV, it says, therefore. It means that it is, as we've talked about with Roger, if there's a therefore, you need to know what the there is for. The therefore is talking about, and it's a continuation of the verses that Joe was teaching on us last week. If you recall last week, he did a wonderful job of telling us and teaching us about Treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth, and where your heart is, right? Heart will be an indicator of what you follow and what truly is in your heart. 
And he's talking about heavenly treasures. And he's talking about earthly treasures. Well, Jesus goes on and says a natural progression, if you will, from that. And instead of heavenly treasures that we're talking about, or earthly treasures, he's talking something that is a whole lot more basic. <clears throat> he progresses to basic necessities of life. He starts off with, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Food, drink, clothing, your life. The absolute basic necessities. So at this point in time, there is no one that is left out. Name me a person who doesn't have to have food, drink, clothing. Right? He is now focused on the basic necessities. And yet his comment is, do not worry. In fact, I think if you have your, your bulletin, there should be an outline there on the back. That first little blank, I think the command's very clear. It says, do not worry about your life. That is his command. Verse 25, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. There's really not a lot of wiggle room here. He's pretty clear it's a command, and that as Christians, as his followers, we're not to worry about these things. Now, how easy is that? I don't want to be insensitive here, and so please, please don't take this the wrong way, but... I would imagine most of us are not worried day by day about food and clothing, right? But just imagine that if you were, and if you did, and if you are in that situation right now, how difficult is it for you not to worry about those things? It would be impossible not to worry about it, it seems to me. But Christ is telling us, do not worry, and he can tell you, how that's possible, not to worry about those things, and we'll get to that. Now, before we go too far, there are a couple of things that I want to clarify before we, I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. When it says, do not worry about your life, go through these verses. These verses have been, by others, taken to mean that we're not supposed to worry about everything. God provides everything to us, so I really don't have to do anything. I should just sit back and be fed and be clothed, and it should all just come to me. And that we shouldn't have to plan, that we shouldn't have any savings, things of that nature. I think that's missing the point. And I think it's fair to say that most of y'all here this morning think that's missing the point too, because y'all are all clothed. You didn't wait this morning for some clothing just to fall on you as you came in, and thankfully I am too. But that's not really the point here, and it's not, it certainly isn't meant or instructing us to be idle and to sit back. We all know that every, this all does come from God, right? God's providence does provide what we have. It is from Him. In fact, we know as believers that it's all His anyhow. We're just merely stewards of what He has provided to us. And it certainly doesn't mean that. And the Bible is very clear that we are, as Christians and as believers, we are to work. We're not to be a burden. In fact, Paul talks about that in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He talks about how he was not a burden to them, nor were the other disciples. In fact, there was an issue, apparently, that there might have been some within that church that weren't working. 
and we're being idle, and then he basically says something very clear that if you don't work, you don't eat. We are supposed to work. That's not what these verses are said. It is a, it is a misinterpretation, if you will, of what, if, you, if that is what you hear of what these verses mean. And I, quite frankly, it seems a little silly to me when you go through that. As one of the commentators put as I was studying for this, if it really meant that, it, that when you look at the birds of the air and you see how God feeds, feeds them, it doesn't see, see how God just has the birds sit back on their backs, open up their mouths, and the worms fall into it. That's not what's happening here. Also, I would say to you that this is not talking about because we are dependent upon God and we do rely on God that we aren't supposed to do things like save and plan for the future. That's not true. Again, you need to ask yourself, are you being a good steward of what God has provided to you? I have savings for girls. You can, I have savings for y'all to go to school. You've got to keep your grades up, but I have savings for y'all to go to school. I think about retirement, have plans for retirement. I have savings for an emergency fund, those types of things. That's not what he's, we're not saying here that you want to do any of those things. And I, I just had to say that up front. I'm not really sure that was really an issue, but I didn't want anyone to misunderstand. God certainly is the source of our provision, and we know that. But just because he's the source of our provision, and he is our provision, he also tells us, how we're supposed to act and be prudent with what he has given us. The point is, isn't so much whether or not you plan for the future. It's why do you plan? What's the purpose behind it? Is it ultimately for bringing glorification and expanding God's kingdom here? Or is it because you're worried? Is it because you're afraid? Is it because of a fear? And I think that's going to be more of the thing. If you want to put it a different way, there's a big difference, and my father-in-law mentioned this to me, there's a big difference between being prudent and worrying. Or as someone else put it, there's a big difference between forethought and foreboding. And those are things that I think you should think about when we go through some of these verses and you think about work, and you think about how you plan for your future. So what's wrong with worrying? I mean, let's, let's just ask that question. Why do we worry? What's the, why do we worry about worrying? What's wrong with worrying? <clears throat> we all do it. I wish I could say that wasn't true. In fact, I appreciate Chuck coming up at the beginning before we started this morning, and he said he told me to stop worrying about my giving a sermon on worrying this morning. And he was... Absolutely right. So what's wrong with worrying? Well, I think Christ tells us some things and is guiding us some things through these verses that will give us a hint at what is wrong with worrying. First, he points out very succinctly that it's our life, that there's more to our life than just food and clothing. And I think the fact that you're here this morning Regardless of whether you're a believer or not, you think that true. Why else would you be here? You are thinking about something more than just food and clothing, and you're here this morning, and I would submit to you, because at a minimum, you are thinking about perhaps eternal life. As a believer, we certainly think about eternal life. 
And fortunately, as a believer, we know that our eternal life is secured through Jesus Christ and our belief in Him. So we know that there is more to our life than food and clothing. That seems obvious for us in here. Or does it? It may not be as obvious as it seems. So let me ask you a question. When you're not here, when you're not here, or you're not in a Bible study, or you don't have your Bible open, or you're not in fellowship with other believers studying His Word, what are you really thinking about? And what are you really doing? What do you look at? What do you watch? What do you buy? Is it wrong to go out there and buy clothes? Is it wrong to go out there and buy food? Of course not. But do you worry about it? Do you obsess with it? Is it something that then comes over you? You may have plenty of clothes, and you may have plenty. Sorry, this thing. I think my beard keeps pushing it off. You may have plenty of clothes, and you may have plenty of food, but do you not still sometimes obsess at it? Again, I don't want to step on any toes, but have you, have you ever heard, and I have heard this, someone look at a closet as they open it up, and it's full of clothes, and this comment comes out. I've got nothing to wear. (laughs) Or perhaps a refrigerator door open or a pantry door open and it's full of food and we've got nothing to eat around here. I don't really know if that's worrying so much, right? As not understanding the bountiful provision that God has provided to us. But I think it's a real easy slope, slippery slope to fall to where it does become obsessive and it could be considered worrying and create anxiety. What's the next thing that you do then? We don't have anything to eat? Well, we go out all the time. We don't have enough food? Man, Amazon, Amazon Prime, those guys are pretty good. They deliver quick to the house. What's the focus? What's the focus there? So yes... We know that there's more to life than just food and clothing. We know that what is important in life is what is going to happen in eternity. And as believers, we know what it takes to share in that eternal life with God our Father. The question is, does your life here today reflect that focus? others. If we know that our life is more than food and clothing, then how we live and walk each particular day should also look like that. Should it not? I think another reason why worrying can be a problem is that we're God's creation. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. While the flowers and the birds, and it's a beautiful image that Christ gives here of how the Heavenly Father provides for the birds. It's one of our favorite things to do. Actually, we've got my parents um, put some uh, birdhouses up on our back porch, and it is so much fun to watch. It is um, 
busier than a Marriott. You've got those birds going in and out of those houses, those new babies. It's wonderful creation to see God's creation there. And you can't help but sit there and admire what he's done and what he's created. Likewise, for the lilies of the flowers in the field. We probably all have images of those um, flowers in the field. Sometimes it's harder around here to see the flowers in the field. But we went down to, Amanda and I went down in, in May to go to celebrate my in-laws who are here today, Dan and Susan Upchurch, their 50th wedding anniversary. And while we were going down there, it had rained. And in the hill country, when it rains in the spring, the roadsides are beautiful. And they were just covered. It was past the blue bonnet time, but they had all the other flowers were coming up. Just a rainbow of beautiful fields full of flowers. Just gorgeous. But I also understand that it's been pretty dry in that part of the country at this point in time, and those same flowers are probably gone. They're brown, they're burned up and gone away. As beautiful as that was, and as majestic as God's creatures are that we just get to witness in our own backyard, how much more are we to God? that we have been made in His image. Why do we worry? We are His unique and beautiful creation. He has actually given us His Son so that we can have a relationship with Him. We are important to Him. He loves us. And that's what Christ is saying here. And actually, it's a point, and I'm going to talk about this here in the fourth one here in a minute. It's also a sign of a lack of faith, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But third reason why we shouldn't worry about these matters is because worrying is pointless. Verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, about a sing- by, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I would guess that of all the things you worry about, it kind of falls in one of two categories. First category is, I'm worried like something like, I'm going to pass my test. Am I going to pass my test tomorrow? I'm worried that I'm not in good enough shape. Well, those types of worries really shouldn't be worries at all because that's actually something you can do about it. Study, get in shape. But we still worry about those things, even though we actually can do something about them. But I would submit to you that the most worries are worries that you have no control over. We talked about them before. When you see the stuff going on in the Ukraine, when you see stuff going on with our government, when you see worry about inflation on earth can you do about changing inflation? Christ here is saying probably one of the things that you would worry about most if you worry would be about your life and when your life here is going to end. And yet he's saying you can't even add an hour to that. It is totally out of your control. You have no control over when that's going to happen. So what is the point of worrying about that? It is pointless. So why do you do it? And the fourth reason I would say that he says why worrying is a problem is because the pagans do it as well. Unbelievers. Unbelievers also have to be fed. Unbelievers also have to be clothed. And guess what? They worry about the same things. And ultimately, by doing that, when we worry just like they do, it shows an inherent lack of faith in our Heavenly Father. Think about that for a minute as Christians. 
We claim to believe that we have a heavenly Father who loves us, who is the creator of all things, heaven and earth, who made us in his image, and who because he loved us so much, he came up with the only way we can have a relationship with him because he is holy and pure by giving us his son as a sacrifice who was without sin, that if we believe, we can have that relationship with him in eternity. He loves us that much. And yet, we think as Christians that he's not going to provide those things for us that he knows we need. We believe all of that, and yet, we sit there and think that he's not going to provide us the things that we actually need. Romans 8, 31-32, If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If we claim we believe that, then why are we worried whether or not he's actually going to provide for us those that we know he knows we need? <clears throat> we are actually supposed to be living different as believers in this world. Pagans are supposed to be looking at us and going, why are they different? Why don't they worry about those things? Why don't they worry about the necessities of life? They don't seem to be consumed by the news and that everything is going bad. Why aren't they doing that? We should be different. As it says, as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 11-2, we are to be as aliens and strangers in this world. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Think about it another way, real quick. I grew up in a household where I never doubted that my father and mother loved me. I know that that may not be true for everyone, but I did. And I lived in that type of house. And I know that part of the reason I lived in that house in that way is because my parents were believers. My father's here with us this morning, and he's been part of this church for a long time. Thank you, Dad. Never ever did I doubt that I would have food or clothing. I didn't know how much my dad made. I had no idea what was in the accounts. Never did I doubt that as a kid when I could understand that I needed food and clothing. I guess probably when I was younger, especially my youngest brother, he never did think he needed clothing at all. It was a real problem, actually. <laughs> but never did I doubt it. Now imagine one day, nothing's changed. He hasn't lost his job, nothing bad has happened, but he come home, comes home to the house, and he sees me in a full panic, crying. Overwhelmed with anxiety. and He asks Matt, what's wrong? Dad, I don't know if I'm going to have food tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to have shelter. I don't know if I'm going to be clothed. What do you think his thought and response would be to that? There are a lot of things, but I think if it was me, and if that happened, because it's the same thing that I've tried to do with my daughters, if that happened to me, I think my heart would be crushed. I'm like, honey, why don't you think I love you so much? Why don't you think that I want to provide that stuff to you? How much so, more so with our Heavenly Father? 
He loves us more than we can possibly imagine or possibly fathom. And yet we worry about things that he knows we need. So, what should we do? Well, the verse 33 um, is the crux verse. It is the key one here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. So as believers, just a couple of thoughts here, a couple of comments, and then I want to go into some some more practical aspects. But a couple of thoughts here. First, seek his kingdom. His kingdom. That means he is the ruler of the kingdom. And as believers, if we are in his kingdom, that also means we are his subjects. And if we are his subjects, that means that every single thing that we do and have is for him. It is his kingdom. This is a key to sit there and telling us how we don't worry because we are in his kingdom and he is our provider. And so he is the ruler of our lives and our lives should look that way. Second, I would also say, and and don't get me wrong, this is not a works type issue, but it also says seek out. It does actually require and is looking for some action on your part. This is not a passive activity. Seek out his kingdom and his righteousness. And where do we get our righteousness? Only through believing in Jesus Christ. God's righteousness comes to us through believing in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.21, right? That is how we do it. We seek out Christ. We seek out God. We seek him out. And we'll talk a minute about how to do that. But I also want you to want to know that when we talk about seeking out his kingdom and seeking out his righteousness... he's referring to his followers and he's referring to his believers. So the first thing you do is you've got to be a believer. You've got to be saved. You've got to understand that you truly are, by nature, sinful and you're in desperate need of a Savior. In order to be in his kingdom, you've got to be able to get there and the only way to get there is by believing in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. So, if there's those here that may not be that, then I would tell you this morning, you're not here by accident. Even if you think you are, you're not here by accident. There's no such thing as happenstance. You are not here by accident. And I would encourage you, this is an opportunity for you. This is an opportunity for you to talk to either the person who invited you, talk to someone who you know, claims to be a believer, or even if nothing else, just make a note on the back of the card in the pew and put it in the offering box when you leave. But that's critical, right? But as believers, it says seek out his kingdom, seek out his righteousness. All right, so what does that look like? What's the practicality of it all for us? All right, the application, as it may. Well, I mean, just like when I talked to my wife earlier, you know, when she had a problem, just don't worry about it, right? You're done. You're good. How many, who thinks that's what I'm saying? I know that's not what Jesus is saying. Who thinks that's what I'm saying this morning? We need to talk. We'll have to go to lunch together. That's not it. We are going to worry. For nothing else, we're in a fallen world and we're going to worry. But if, even if it's just the basic necessities, how hard is it and how impossible would it be 
that if you really did not know where your next meal was coming from, how could you not worry about it? Well, I'll tell you that you, it, you can't do that on your own. It is only going to be through Christ in you that that's going to actually be a possibility for you not to worry. But there are some things, I think, that we can do that can help us. Because we are going to find ourselves worrying. I mean, I've got two teenage daughters. How can you not worry? We're going to find ourselves worried, so what do you do? I think the very first thing we do, and I think this is implied, and it also is shown elsewhere in the Bible, is we pray. Jesus says, seek his kingdom. What better way to seek his kingdom than to pray? Look at Philippians. You don't have to turn there. I'll go ahead and read it. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right there in that verse, Paul gives us the synopsis of Jesus' two commands. Don't be anxious. Seek. Those are the two commands right now. Don't worry. Seek God. But he also lets us know that by doing so, we are going to enjoy the antithesis of worrying and anxiety. He provides us that peace that transcends, transcends all understanding. In other words, ultimately, the key to not worrying is that it's God who's working in us. It's not us. It is God in us that is the key to not worrying. The second thing we need to do that I would suggest is that when you find yourself getting anxious or worrying, you've got to pull out your Bible. You've got to get into the Word. My daughter, Annabelle, and I were talking about this. She went to church camp this summer, and one of the classes, one of the breakout sessions that she thoroughly enjoyed was a breakout session about memorizing Scripture. And let me tell you, I am horrible at memorizing Scripture, but I am now dedicated to trying to memorize Scripture. But as she pointed out, what did Satan do when he was, what did Christ do when he was tempted by Satan? Quoted scripture. When you are worrying, when you are anxious, wouldn't it be nice just to have verses there in your mind that you can go to as your crux and remember who God is and what he means to you? If for nothing else, I can give you an example. We studied this for a small while in our small group, which was the 23rd Psalm. Think about just the very first verse of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Stop. Right there. He's your shepherd. That means he's your protector, he's your provider, he guides you. I shall not be in want. He provides. You shall not be in want. What it requires you is to follow and to be a part of his flock. So, memorize scripture, put it to heart. I've actually put several verses, not by any stretch is it comprehensive, but out in the foyer, out on the, uh, out on the table there, I've just little sheets. If you want one, take one. They're small little sheets, look like this. And like I said, it's not comprehensive. I've already started adding ones to my own, and this is what I cut out for y'all. So, take it, throw it in your Bible, and see if you can't memorize some verses. And have them ready. The third thing I would tell you, I would suggest that you do, is that don't keep it to yourself. We're a community, 
community of believers. If you're worried or anxious, share it with another believer. If you have a believing spouse, share it with your believing spouse. That is a mistake I've made many times. We don't have time to go into the story, but I used, I worried and was concerned about my job about 15 years ago, and I worried, and I play, prayed privately for it all the time. But one thing I did not do a good job of was sharing it with my spouse. I thought I'd protect her from that. And that was a mistake. <clears throat> I should have. I should have prayed with her. I should have let her know. And it took a toll. Don't keep it to yourself. And last, <clears throat> the thing that I would suggest to you before we close in prayer is take stock of what is around you and what you are actually absorbing. I mentioned the news before. I stopped watching the news a long time ago. I'm not ignorant of what's going on. I simply go online to a newspaper I subscribe to, hit the headlines to see what I need to know, and move on. It makes a difference. Those are the things that this world is consumed by and worrying about. We are to be that light and that example to a dark world. We are to be different. And so I would say, take stock of what's around you. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I hope that you hear that the clear, clear message here this morning from Christ is, look, you're going to worry, but you need to have focus on who is inside of you. And if you're a believer, that's where you need to sit there and turn your focus. I'm going to close in prayer. Brian's going to come up and lead us a song, and then I've got one concluding thought. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for the word that's before us. Dear Lord, thank you for the knowledge that we can come to you with our prepare, prayers and petitions, and that you, you, dear Lord, are the one who can actually cure the anxiety and the worry that might be within us. You're the one. Lord, not us, but you working inside of us are the one that provides us that peace. Dear Lord, help us remember that. Help us submit to that, Lord. Submit to you so that we can enjoy that peace and that understanding. And as we go out into this world, dear Lord, that we can remember it is you. It is you who we should be seeking out. It is your kingdom and your righteousness. And by doing so, dear Lord, <clears throat> we remember that who we are, your children whom you love. All these things I ask in your son's name. Amen. It is 12.03. I have, every time I have done this, it always amazes me how fast that clock goes. Thank you for your grace and for giving me a few extra minutes. Todd said it a moment ago, that when God is big, our problems are small. The title of this talk today, I said, was Don't Worry, Stay Focused. And obviously, I'm saying stay, staying focused on God, staying focused on His kingdom and His righteousness. But truly, to stay focused, you have to fully surrender. So as you go out this week, that's what I would leave you with. Stay focused by fully surrendering.